Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you here on this uh, lovely Wednesday. Kartik, the world of football is uh, odd and strange, and there's some very bizarre stories that we're going to talk about, including a very strange story about Daniel Levy possibly splashing out £80 million, which I think will cause a lot of people that follow the game to go into complete cardiac arrest if it happens. But we're going to talk about that. Lots of transfers going on, and Kartik, we're also going to talk odds and predictions for the Premier League season, which is literally just around the corner. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go and talk about that, as well as about the situation in La Liga. Tebas drops a bomb today, uh, indicating that La Liga can block a transfer if they want, and there's one specifically, uh, which we've talked about previously on this show, that uh, he's probably referring to. Yep, talking about the Griezmann transfer from Atletico Madrid to um, Barcelona. We've spoken about this. We'll fill you on on this. In fact, we had uh, Bob Caldwell, or rather I did, Carter. You were taking the day off doing your thing with uh, um, uh, Orlando. Was it, uh, who, who were you doing it for? Miami FC. Yeah, Miami FC. I almost said Orlando. Excuse me. Miami FC. Um, but, yeah, we were talking about this with Bob Caldwell. So it's funny how these things seem to unfold and how yours truly, Nick Gieber and Kartik Krishnaya, right here for Street Soccer. We are always on the cutting edges of the stories, Kartik, because if there's anyone to sniff out something that could potentially be a dumpster fire, it's uh, you and I. Anyway, great day, great show ahead. I'm super comfortable. I'm sitting here in my lovely uh, Stone Street Estate winery shirt brought to me by my girlfriend, Kerry, who likes a bit of wine every now and then. Bring me back any wine because she knows I'm not the biggest wine drinker. But a lovely shirt, so I'm super comfortable. Kartik looks like you're nicely rested and ready to go. So hang on, folks, because we've got a great show for you today. Find us on Twitter at Fist Street Sports. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fist Street Sports Talk. You can give us a call in the studio if you would like, 800 878 7529. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world, listening courtesy of the American Forces Network. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether that's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning Sirius XM app, we welcome you to the show as we do each and every weeknight, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Right, those are the topics on the table. Get ready. We're going to kick it all off when we come back after this. You're back with us here on Fifth Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. So much going on in the transfer windows. Suddenly, uh, we kind of alluded to this a couple of days ago, Kartik, where it was so quiet and you were saying it's like there's going to be a giant dump of transfers and gossip and transfer news. Uh, let's talk about some of the big stories right now making waves. Of course, we've been talking constantly about the dumpster fire that is uh, Arsenal Football Club. And we do fa- thank our listener, uh, on Twitter, at Rashid the Guna for, you know, chiming in about some of the issues going on. But Kartik, uh, true to form, Arsenal were doing the exact same thing they tried to do with Luis Suarez, which was sort of bracket the amount of money 
that they were trying to offer uh, uh, for Luis Suarez till they sort of just triggered the release clause. And, of course, they screwed the whole thing up, messed it all up because they were so cheap. Uh, they've tried the same thing with Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zaha, who they've been very, very eager to get. But the news breaking today, courtesy of Sky Sports, that Everton set to sweep an £80 million purchase of Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace. Um, fascinating stuff, Kartik. Uh, fascinating stuff. Duffy, a, a terrible defeat for Arsenal. Now, um, to have money to spend, Marco Silva needs a wide player. Uh, Theo Walcott has been too inconsistent. You know, sometimes you have to play him centrally. He doesn't have the, the, the pace he once did. Uh, a really creative wide player that you can also play centrally and can be dynamic and take uh, take guys on. That's one thing they're missing. They have a, a lot of quality in terms of technical ability, guys like Sigurdsson. Obviously, in that side, uh, Rich, uh, Richarlson has been a revelation since he came over from Watford and obviously uh, won Copa America with Brazil. But I think uh, Zaha would, would be a really interesting piece. Could have toward a top four fight. Uh, okay, I'm losing Kartik. So, Kartik, uh, we're going to have Kartik reconnect because uh, we have uh, lost him. But we are talking about the issue uh, we're gonna have Kartik reconnect. He has the finances now. They have the backing. Oh, there um, he is. Kartik, we're gonna ask you to reconnect because we actually have a very bad connection with you. Uh, but we are talking about the issue with Wilfred Zaha, where Arsenal were making a concerted effort to uh, sign him as their sort of marquee signing of this off season, but they were just unable or unwilling. I'm not sure what it is to just offer the amount of money needed to secure the player, secure his services, and get him on the roster. And it looks like now, as Sky Sports reporting, that Everton, as Kartik was just saying, are going to bolster what is an already really decent squad with potentially another really important piece of the toffee pie. Right, Kartik? Yeah, I think when you look at the Everton setup, they've got a lot of potential match winners in that team, uh, but it hasn't been very balanced. A guy like Zaha could take them to another level, though. Yeah, Zaha take them to another level. And, you know, it's funny because we're, uh, the last segment of the show, we're going to be talking about odds to uh, some of the odds that we've got to both. And, by the way, these odds are courtesy of, an, of, of a, uh, um, a bookmaker, Triple uh, Eight, which you can't bet on here in the U.S. because they, they won't let you take bets here in the U.S. Uh, but this is in the, from the U.K. So these are some pretty juicy odds, actually. We're going to do our top uh, our ch- odds to win it all. Uh, top four odds, top six odds, uh, top odds to get relegated, uh, some good stuff. So we're going to take a look at that, too. So you want to stick around and wait till the last segment. By the way, if you're here in the United States, there are places, plenty of places, where you can legally place a bet on sports, on these odds. If betting is legal yet in your state, there are many states where it is. We encourage you to seek out a legal sports book to do that with. And... Uh, wish you the best, but uh, stay tuned uh, because we're going to be giving you some great odds. But I don't have uh, prop bets, uh, Kartik, for who's going to land where. That's something we could look because that is what we're talking about. Uh, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, you know, the other, uh, if you look, though, uh, and, and you really think about it, I mean, it has been beyond pathetic where uh, what Arsenal have done this offseason, Kartik. I mean, they've spent or seemingly the entire offseason chasing uh, one Wilfred Zaha. I mean, they brought in Martinelli from Brazil. That's nice, six, you know, six and a half million pound signing. But my God, if you lose Zaha, 
what else have you got? You've only got, what, another week, 10 days at the most? Yeah, I, I, I just think that there's something else going on at Arsenal, right? They, they never had this setup, Nick, where they had a director of football, and you, you had to uh, 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 be very, very aggressive about scouting, recruitment, um, identifying your targets, and going after them. They had a one-man committee, Arsene Wenger, and a guy who, who quite honestly watched over Stan Kroenke's money. He never had to spend a lot of money. Uh, other than the the swoops for Ozil and for um, Alexis Sanchez, so um, I, I think that they've got some real some real issues adjusting in the post uh, uh, Wenger period, right? And 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 I think that this is again. Um, oh, hold an, on, hold on, issue. hold on! Stop, stop, stop! You're making excuses, Kartik. What are you talking about? Difficulties adjusting in the post Wenger period. I mean, they had these problems when Arsene Wenger was right there. I mean, this has been a consistent rallying cry. Uh, this has been a consistent symptom uh, well, with well, Arsenal well, Football Club for, for nearly a decade now. Well, no, I think they had a lot of fans that whined and wanted to spend more money than, than they could. And Wenger had a clear philosophy of how he wanted to play and, more importantly, had guys coming through their system, coming through the academy. The Kieran Gibbses, the um, Jack Wilshers of the world, they didn't turn out to be the greatest. I mean, Wilshire might have been if he hadn't been injured. Well, injuries but, have been uh, bedeviled. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, right? I mean, injuries have bedeviled a lot of Arsenal's prospects for the futures, right? They have never had, in the Wenger era, they never had as many needs. Now, their fans have been diluted for a long time, a, a large chunk of Arsenal fans. Um, they never had the number of needs in the team that they have now at any point during the Wenger era. There were little small things they needed to do. Maybe they needed more more guys uh, who were match winners, out-and-out match winners uh, toward the end of Wenger's period. But they always had some depth. And the injuries, as you mentioned, Nick, were an issue. Guys like Diaby were always hurt. Guys Fox. like Rosicki were always yeah. hurt. Wilshire always hurt. But um, now they just don't even have those sorts of players. They don't have a guy, a situation where you could say, well, if Tomas Rosicki gets fit, they have one really good creative midfield player. They don't have that. They have so many needs. They have to overall their entire squad other than the two strikers, other than Lockett and Obama Yang. There's really no one else that's a match winner. They did get Donny Sabalos, I must mention, from Real Madrid on loan, which is a good signing. But uh, Arsenal are not going to finish in the top four this year. I think Unai Emery did a good job last year getting a team that's deficient uh, close to the top four. They were only a couple points out. Um, but he'll be fortunate if they're that close this season. Yeah, interesting stuff. We also need to talk about Man United, whose signings have been, uh, shall we say, disappointing, I think, for uh, United supporters globally who are looking to see ownership support um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with some, some big money signings. Now, they did sign Juan Bissaka at United for $55 million, uh, and, and you mentioned Daniel James from Swansea. But, he, you know, they need more at United. And I know they're looking at Christian Eriksen at Tottenham, seeing if they can buy him. But, you know, the problem United have is very simple. They're not in the Champions League, so they're not that, uh, they're not that attractive of a target for next season uh, if another Champions League team comes in for the player they're looking for. Okay, and I think we uh, lost Kartik again. That's okay. So we, we do have him back. So did you hear that comment about United, Kartik? Yeah, I think when you talk about Ericsson, um, unless the money, the, the weekly wage is so important to him uh, that he wants to jump to United now, I just wait. Spurs are in the Champions League every year. He's not going to have Champions League football, as you mentioned, at, at United. And in addition, 
we've got a situation where United may not be in the Champions League anytime soon, the way it's going. So I'd stay at Spurs another season, see if Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern, whoever, come, Juventus, come in for you the next year. Well, or Liverpool it. or Man City. Well, I mean, but Tottenham are going to sell him because he's in his final year of his contract. So, I mean, they're going to sell him or he's going to walk on a Bosman. So, uh, if they can get 70 million, 60 million for him, uh, Daniel Levy will take that. You know that. Particularly uh, because then going to reinvest that money, as we'll talk about when we come back, uh, in uh, Paolo Dybala from uh, Juve. Apparently, there's talk of an 80 million pound signing coming there. That would be a earth shattering signing for Tottenham. Right, so much to talk about, which we will pick up when we come back on the other side of the break. History soccer, Nikki Bukata, Krishnaya. Stay with us right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Street Soccer, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Neither of us, of course, are Dan Patrick. Uh, our neck, he's Kartik. And we're talking the beautiful game. I don't think Dan does that too much. So that's why we're here, to fill in the blanks for him. Uh, Kartik, we're talking the transfer market. We've been talking about Arsenal. It looks like they are going to get pipped at the finish line uh, by, of all people, Everton Football Club for the signing of Wilfred Zaha, that would be a disaster for them. A couple of other interesting signings, though. We were talking about Christian Eriksen. Of course, he has one year left on his contract. Now, he was supposed to go to Madrid, was where he was, you know, had his bags packed for, I think, about for about the last third of the season last year. But that fell through. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe his valuation was too high or... They were just a little short of Dosh. Not quite sure what it was. So, But he has one year left on his contract. They're going to have to move him. Uh, and if United are looking for him and they're willing to pay 60 or $70 million for him, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Daniel Levy quite rightly would do that, do that deal in a minute. But why Ericsson would want to go from Spurs to United is beyond me. Yeah, we talked about Champions League. I think it's the weekly wage that would be the sole determinant for um, – for that, you know, as I was thinking over the break, though, Nick, I think about having a player like Calvert Lewin. We're talking about Everton now with potentially signing Zaha. Calvert Lewin, having Richarlson, who we mentioned, Sigurdsson in the midfield. They added Fabian Delph, who could play in that that box to box number eight role. Um, they they have the and, and Bernard, who's a player who became better at the end of last season playing out wide. The uh, Brazilian who came over from Shakhtar. I. Uh, I think they could, and Andre Gomez, who's good for promotions last year, they might be pushing into the top four. So I'm curious in our final segment um, to hear about the odds for, for Everton because they, yeah. I'm thinking about this now. If they do get Zaha, they could finish ahead of Arsenal. Well, I, I, it is very interesting. And we're going to talk, we'll talk about the odds next segment, folks. So stay tuned because we're going to talk odds, top four finish, top six finish, who we think is going to win, who we think is going to get relegated. Uh, and we'll tell you what those odds are if you want to have a little punt on them. But there are some teams 
that were in the, quote, best of the rest category last season. And I'm talking about teams like Wolves, teams like Everton, teams like Leicester, teams like West Ham United, um, who at times looked pretty darn good last season, who didn't put together that run of consistency, who lost too many games against the top four teams uh, to really uh, mount that top four challenge. However, uh, that is changing, and we just have to look at the signings. I mean, look, if I told you that West Ham United had spent £60 million already and Leicester City £85 million, if Everton is going to spend eighty million pounds on uh, on uh, whatever it was, was it eighty or seventy? We were talking about on uh, uh, Zaha. Uh, it was eighty million pounds uh, for yeah. Zaha. I mean, we're talking about teams that were in the quote best of the rest category that will have outspent every one of the top four clubs, with the exception of Manchester City. Yeah, I think what you're looking at um, now is an Arsenal team that I think is desperately trying to juggle finance versus uh, versus quality football. and risk football. reward. It's finance versus football. It's finance versus yeah, yeah, football. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's also risk reward. So um, if you, if you qualify for the champions league, Nick, and you're Stan Kroenke, you make a lot more money. However, does Kroenke uh, now after three years out of the champions league, and, and we know how risk-averse he is. We know how risk-averse most American sports owners are. I, I hate to, to, to get back on that topic, and I know people hate it when we talk about it, but they're risk-averse compared to the people who, who generally own football clubs in the rest of the world who do it because they love football. So he's now thinking, is it worth it for me to spend $80 million or $100 million on a player like Wilfred Zaha when um, Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, who I spent a lot of money on, couldn't ensure that I made Champions League and got that money, that pot of money. Maybe we'll just pull back, be in the Europa League or not be in Europe completely, uh, bank the highest t- the, mo- the money from the highest ticket prices in Europe, which is what they have. You know, it's, it's obscene. I love when the Bayern fans are coming. Yep. Well, we've got a few connection prices. problems again with Kartik. So I'm not uh, sure what's going on in Florida. Not sure what's going on with you in there in Florida, Kartik. Of course, I'm in Las Vegas. You're in Florida. But we're having a, a little connection conniption. Uh, we, 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 we do have you back right now. We did miss what you said about, uh, Bayern. Uh, but, uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. What I was going to say is the Bayern fans a couple of years ago protested, um, Arsenal's ticket prices. Remember that? Uh, Champions League tie. And Arsenal didn't, it didn't affect Arsenal at all. They just keep charging what they do for tickets. The only thing that matters to Kroenke is the bottom line. He's risk averse. And I think they may have made a decision. They're not going to spend 60 million, 80 million, 100 million on individual pieces. And uh, they're just going to take what comes to them, which means not finishing in a Champions League spot once well, again. Well, actually, you know, it's interesting because I, I will suggest this. I think what happens with Arsenal is the thought of overpaying for anything is like kryptonite for the Arsenal board and for Stan Kroenke. And so the idea that you want a player, and again, I, I, look at what they've done here with Luis Suarez. Look at what they've done here with, um, look at what they did with Luis Suarez. Look at what they're doing with Wilfred Zaha. Rather than saying, look, I know 80 million will get him. I'll offer 80 million. They come in and they go, oh, will you take 40? No, I won't. Okay, how about 41? No, I won't. How about 42? No, I won't. And the, you know, and, and the discussion goes on and on. 
And the negotiation drags on and on because they want to find the absolute floor price that they can get the player for. And I think it's a little bit like that with the Champions League. Look, I don't think Kroenke is serious ever about Arsenal winning the Champions League because he's absolutely not prepared to make the investment in the squad that he's going to need to do that. But he is prepared to invest just enough to the penny that they can get into the Champions League and get the Champions League money. And that's why winning the Wenger Trophy year after year under Arsene Wenger was such a gift to the likes of Stan Kroenke and the Arsenal board. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll take it uh, a step further here. They have consistently done this. Suarez, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Zaha. I remember the Juan Mata situation where they just needed to trigger his release clause. They came in about $2 million under it. That's yep. it, $2 million under it. And Chelsea triggered it, went from Valencia to Chelsea, and you know, has had a great career in the Premier League uh, for Chelsea and for Man United. They, are, they have some sort of metric, from what I understand, Nick, Something where they say, okay, we're not going to pay a dollar or a pound more than, or a euro more than, uh, than this for this guy. Some in-house metric that they use, uh, which is different than a lot of the other clubs, and they won't go over a certain amount for guys. So, uh, and it, and it, and it relates to, well, how much more will we, how much will we earn back on this particular Right, when we player? sell them, right. When we sell them, right. Yeah. Or, or on shirt sales. So, um, yeah, I just think that they're not uh, they're not really an active participant in the upper echelon of the transfer market anymore. No, and I don't think that they're a participant in the upper echelon of the league anymore because I think they are going to get <laughs> eclipsed. Uh, and, and it's very sad, by the way. I, I have I have nothing but love for Arsenal Football Club. Really, don't, don't get me wrong. I I I have no beef with Arsenal whatsoever. In fact, there's hardly any team on this list of twenty that I would have any beef with, except for say, oh, Manchester United. But that is an uh, but that's also a, uh, a a a beef that's born out of. Uh, being a long-time Liverpool supporter. And, and honestly, I do have a lot of respect for uh, United and their history, particularly their former manager, who I had an opportunity to meet on many occasions and found to be an absolutely delightful and charming man. Uh, so all of that aside, I don't have a beef with Arsenal. I, I'm just looking at this club and I'm just thinking, if I were a gooner, I would be just besides myself about this. Because, you know, you've been sold a bill of goods, folks. You've been sold a stadium. You've been sold a promise of future financial uh, a financial clout, but that clout is never going to be used. You're like, uh, you know, you're like a, uh, this, during the Civil War. Which which general was it that was removed by, by the president because he refused to fight his McClellan. army? McClellan. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're like I like to bring these history references in. Kartik and I are both students of history. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like you know, McClellan. You've got this great army, but you're not going to use it. It's like Arsenal. They've got this financial clout, but they're never going to use it. So unless the supporters are going to find themselves in the position of Abraham Lincoln and remove the ownership, <laughs> put a different owner in charge, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, it's just going to be more of the same. But um, I'm not predicting Arsenal in the top four this next season. Lincoln's famous quote was, if you're not going to use the army, let me borrow it for a yes, while. Yes, I remember that. Fired him. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Arsenal, I think, have an, have a situation now also where they've seen um, the reemergence of Liverpool, which has happened under Jurgen Klopp. Remember when, when uh, uh, Wenger was on his way out as the, as the uh, Arsenal manager, Arsenal were still in a, in a position where they were co-equal or maybe above yeah. Liverpool. Uh, and they've seen the amount of money Manchester United is spending in the market. 
they see the emergence of Everton, and they see Spurs now consistently being better than them, even though yeah, they're not it, spending yeah, as much money. But so, actually, Kartik, the, the dangerous thing for Arsenal, and I'll interrupt you here, we've just got a minute left. The, the dangerous thing here for Arsenal, actually we have yeah, one minute, ten seconds. The dangerous thing is that, you know, you talked about Liverpool under Klopp, but it wasn't, it wasn't just Klopp. It was Liverpool and Fenway Sports Group and Jurgen Klopp coming together with a shared identity, a shared goal, a plan, ownership prepared to back back the manager, prepared to give the manager the, the lead time he needs to make that happen. And yes, Klopp got very close early on in his tenure, didn't win any silverware. And if you remember, that was the big discussion. Same thing uh, all around. You know, it, the, the danger for, the, for Arsenal supporters is now finally, it seems, like Mauricio Pochettino read Daniel Levy the riot act and told him he would walk out the door unless he opened up the checkbook. And now an Arsenal nightmare is happening. Daniel Levy is starting to splash the cash. We'll talk about that and more when we come back right here at Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Eber, Kartik Krishna are with you. Find us on Twitter at Fifth Street Sports. That's at Fifth Street Sports, 5TH Street Sports. And take a quick break. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay with us. You're back with us on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Nick Gibakartik Krishnaya here on Fifth Street Soccer. We're talking the beautiful game. We've been promising our some of our very, very early uh, prognostications and predictions as to a top a champion of the Premier League, as to a top four finish, a top six finish, a relegation battle. And we'll be doing this on and off, by the way, with various guests over the next few days as they come on and asking them for their uh, predictions and uh, punditry, but before we get to it, we were talking about the situation at Tottenham and how that really represents Arsenal's worst nightmare, which is now Tottenham have a brand new stadium. They have a manager that is young, that is dynamic, that is now proven, that has shown that he can take this team to the promised land. You have an and you have an owner that has finally decided that he's going to take the ultimatum given to him by his manager and he's going to open up the pocketbook and he's going to invest in players and invest in the squad so that they can entrench themselves firmly in that top four position. That is, a, that is an Arsenal nightmare, Kartik. Yeah, and I, I think uh, this is part of what drives Arsenal fans mad is that at least in that era when they were complaining about Wenger constantly, they were finishing ahead of Spurs consistently, and they were looking at uh, hunting down Chelsea um, and at the very end, Manchester United, Manchester City. Uh, prior to that, it was uh, Liverpool in that top four. Now they're looking up at Spurs. They see they have a young, bright manager. They have a style of play. They have a very disciplined uh, structure. And they're finishing ahead of Arsenal every season. Yeah, it's a nightmare for Arsenal fans. And, uh, you know, it is just going to get worse. And, in fact, let's uh, – uh, unless there's – oh, yeah, we, we wanted to talk about this um, before we got back to uh, – tell you what, let's leave the Premier League for a minute. We'll come back to it. Uh, but let's have a head over to Spain where we talked about the Antoine Griezmann move from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona. Uh, this happened – about a week or ten days ago, or two weeks ago, give or take, actually. And what happened is Barcelona met the player's release clause of £107 million, and therefore the player could move whether Atleti wanted it or not. Uh, the release clause was met. Barcelona 
toddled on down to the league headquarters, gave him a big wad of cash totaling 107 million, and the players trans the trade the players card was switched from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona. Now, Bar uh, Atletico then turned around and said, "Well, wait a minute. Um, the release clause was a." sliding clause based on at what time during the year the release was triggered and we know for a fact that you Barcelona and you Antoine Griezmann agreed personal terms sometime two months ago uh, so essentially you agreed at that point to meet the release clause and the release clause back then was not 107 it was 207 so we need another 100 million well this was rather poo-pooed by Barcelona at the time but La Liga, the actual officiating body in Spain, the Spanish League, has said, well, wait a minute, there may be something here. Kartik, the ramifications of this are going to be heard for a long time. Yeah, Javier Tebas, who I've actually been in the room with a few times, who, said, who does not shy away from saying controversial things, um, has said, uh, it is possible to block a player's transfer. La Liga will decide what course of action to take and went on to say, Atletico submitted a complaint and put in doubt whether we should pass Griezmann's license to Barcelona. There is a process that has been put in motion, and those overseeing it will have to come to resolve the case, unquote. Uh, that is from Javier Tabas, who is the boss of La Liga. Uh, it does not sound good for Barcelona. Uh, I have to say the fact that they're even reviewing it, and they're not. I, th I assume they would just take Barcelona's stand. They it's rubber stamp the transfer already, and uh, would just say, "Oh well, too bad, Atleti. Maybe we'll 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 resolve this um, behind the scenes." But doing it publicly and saying they're reviewing it, I, I think Barcelona may have to fork over eighty million more euros. I think that the problem here is I'm willing to bet you some solid dosh uh, that. Atletico Madrid are not coming to the table here with just allegations. They're coming to the table here with some sort of reasonable proof that is probably yes. irrefutable because it's going to take an awful lot to La Liga for La Liga to strong arm uh, their premier product, which is Barcelona. Uh, and so the fact they're even saying this, I'm with you, Kartik, easy to believe they're going to have to shell out an extra 80 million. Now that's going to do all sorts of things. That's going to put that whole Neymar transfer in 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 really in in question. It's just not going to happen at that point. Yeah, I, I think uh, what Barcelona then would have to do, conceivably, is sell Coutinho immediately. Yeah, and maybe one or two other pieces, and and uh, drop interest in Neymar. So. Uh, and now uh, we're hearing PSG, by the way, will not sell Neymar unless their valuation of $250 million yeah. is met. They paid $222 million for him from Barcelona. So uh, things, things are turning south for Barcelona yeah, rather quickly. When we were thinking about how dominant this team would be this season, now we're beginning to question, well, maybe Atleti and Real Madrid can take a run at them. Who knows? Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the most interesting thing uh, for me here is that, you know, for years we've talked about Barcelona's practices and Real Madrid to a degree, uh, tapping up players, 
you know, constantly try to drive up the value of players on the transfer market through. I mean, look, they're the only team that have their own newspapers, Barcelona and Madrid. Let's let's be honest, okay? They have national newspapers that essentially do the bidding of these football teams. And you see this in no other country uh, where it's quite as powerful as it is in Spain. And the, the fact now that Barcelona may have been caught is there, plus this Neymar issue, uh, PSG are peed off to an enormous amount with this guy, not just his statements about not wanting to be there. His behavior with the woman that he brought in from Brazil has caused great embarrassment to Paris Saint-Germain's ownership, who are, who are um, of Arab origins and are you know quite conservative in culture find this behavior to be abhorrent uh and difficult and unpleasant uh they don't support him on that and uh, it's generally been a very bad situation and i think they you know they have the money quite frankly kartik they will sit that little loud mouth down and not play him if that's what it comes to i don't think neymar's going to win a battle of wills with uh with the sheikh no, and I think the Sheikh, uh, as we've talked about on previous shows, is uh, uh, Qatar has its own image problems, right? So they, yeah. they, they don't want a further embarrassment with Neymar. I th- and, and we already saw his comments about uh, – he's very quoted comments about him and, and, and the individual and the embarrassment and, and uh, the blackmail and all of that. That uh, I don't think – you know, it is very possible Neymar um, – will play sparingly this season unless there's a club willing to meet that valuation, which no one is willing, no one is going to meet. Because he is, he is the most the overvalued player. player in world football, period. And the most overrated, too. And you get all this baggage on the side with him. These theatrics, this circus, this, uh, this absolute um, uh, off-the-pitch nonsense that uh, it, it cannot be controlled, quite frankly, unless you are a club at Barcelona's level where, uh, and even them, I think it, it's too much of a risk. Yeah, so it's fascinating, this whole issue now with Griezmann puts so many other pieces in doubt. The big money, though, the big money being spent in England, no doubt about it. The Premier League, the top league in the world, Kartik, no doubt about it. Now, why don't we talk about where we see it going uh, Kartik, I'm going to give you my prediction. Should we start off with the predictions to win the Premier League this year? Are you game for that? Who's going to win? Yeah, yeah, All for right, the so, Premier League. Who's going to win it? Yeah, uh, well, the, for the odds, the bookmakers' favorites are uh, Ma- Manchester City at well, one and a half to one. Uh, second is Liverpool. It's close about three and a half to one. Uh, Kartik, I, I'm going to Tottenham are 17 to one. United 34 to one. Chelsea 34 to one. Arsenal 51 to one to win the Premier League. Uh, not going to happen. Um, I will tell you this. I firmly believe, uh, after spending uh, another what eighty million or so on bolstering a, an already powerful squad, and yeah, they may lose Sane, may go for sure. Uh, I, I, you know, I predict Manchester City going to set the pace again. Uh, whether Liverpool can keep up again with them, uh, of course, that's my team, and I love them dearly. Uh, I, I question whether they can. I, I think uh, if I were going to place a wager based on uh, hard analytical numbers, I would have to place it at one and a half to one on Man City. I am um, hedging. I know you want to pick, but to me, this all depends on the health of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. We've seen a couple of friendlies now where he looks like he's back to full speed, but the friendlies, I think if he's back to where he was before that ACL tear 
now almost a year and a half ago. Uh, I think Liverpool will keep it close, may, may even pipe it in the end. If he's not fully fit, um, Rodri coming into the Manchester City team will be the difference. Yeah, so possibly. I, I want to see Ox's fitness and see if, uh, if, if he's really going to be able to play at the level that he was able to prior to that injury. Well, uh, he, he's, he's, looked, he's looked terrific so far in preseason, yeah. Kartik. I mean, the question is, can he stay injury-free? I, I'm also very interested to see, you know, we've got this kid Vanderberg at, at – uh, um, at uh, Liverpool, this uh, 18-year-old massive Dutch centre-back at 6-2. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he even gets a look in at the first team. Uh, you know, I, I think Klopp will sign a couple of players here and there. I'm not thinking he's going to sign anybody, uh, what I would consider a massive imp- imp- massive um, uh, impact player. But, you know, getting Oxley chamberlain back is like getting a new player. But I agree, yeah. it's going to be very, very tight. Uh, I would say if everything stays the same, though, I'm... Man City might well three-peat. I don't see Tottenham, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, or any of the above getting through. But let's let's move to the top four finish because I think that's much more fun. Uh, Man City, Liverpool, look, they're both one. They're both a base, basically one-to-one uh, to get through. So, I mean, you know, uh, n- not much value there. Tottenham, uh, one-and-a-half-to-one on a top th- four finish. Man United, a two-to-one Chelsea are two to one. Arsenal two and a half to one. Um, it's anybody's guess. So according to the bookmakers, it's City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and then you can toss a coin between United, Chelsea, and Arsenal. United, you know, just uh, by two tenths of a point, considered a, more of a favourite over Chelsea and Arsenal. But Karting, I'm going to go on a limb. You know, we were talking about the uh, best of the rest, folks, and you know, Everton, Wolves. Leicester, West Ham. I mean, I'm particularly fond of Leicester. I think at 21 to 1, Leicester are a really, really fun bet to, to pip the top four. Somebody, Kartik, somebody, I just feel somebody new is going to break into the top four this year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know at the end of last season, those of you that follow me on Twitter saw I tweeted that Leicester was going to finish in the top four uh, in May. I'm not sure anymore as I think about the potential sale of Maguire. Uh, I do think they have a shot. I do. I would say there was a three-way race for fourth in my mind between um, Chelsea, uh, uh, Everton, and Leicester. Now, Man United could be in that in that uh, mix, uh, but right now I, I don't have much confidence they will be. So I think it's those three teams for fourth. I would still give a slight edge to Chelsea. Been there, done it. Uh, and Frank Lampard seems to have a very kind of exciting uh, style of play. And one of the things we're seeing in the preseason is the reintegration of guys that were out on loan. Batshuayi playing up top. Tammy Abraham playing up top. Bakayoko, who got loaned out to Milan yeah, last year, right. playing in a double pivot with Conte. So it looks like he's going to use his resources and manage it better, uh, the Chelsea legend is a player, Frank Lampard, than uh, the previous managers did. So they, they might be quite good. All right, well, those are the picks. We'll be talking about them over the next day or two. You know, I'm not, I'm not sold on any one particular position, but that's kind of where I'm leaning at right now. It's going to be hard to make hard predictions as to who's going to finish where, when, and with what until the transfer window is closed, and then it will be an awful lot, well, I wouldn't say easier, but we'll be able to go on the record at that point. All right, Nicky Bancartic, Krishna, with you here on Fist Street Soccer. We're going to take a break. And we'll be right back to wrap it up here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211.
yes, we do play the Dead Kennedys here on Fifth Street Soccer. We play the Clash, we play the Ramones, we play the Adolescents, we play uh, Agent Orange, the Germs, Stranglers, Ian Drury. We play great stuff here. If you grew up in the late 70s, uh, as I did, uh, you know, we play some quality punk, don't we, Kotick? Oh, yeah, we do on this show. Well, and we will drop some rock and roll and punk knowledge sooner or later on this program. Absolutely, because we have to. All right, well, we've been talking the Premier League, we've been talking transfer market, but really the fascinating story is the one developing in Spain right now with Antoine Griezmann. Uh, Kartik, I think we'll continue with our odds discussion over the next few shows as we get down to the close of the transfer market, because at that point, uh, at that point, we'll have a much better idea of how these squads are going to look with some finality. But uh, your final thought today? Yeah, the Griezmann thing to me is fascinating. Tebas making those comments indicates to me Barcelona has got some real trouble. And they're going to have to prove, because I think Atleti has, has, has given information to the league, uh, they're going to have to prove they didn't tamper. Um, and if they did, uh, well, they're in trouble. Uh, well, well, you know, if they did, you listen. We know they do. So, so, so it's beyond not just losing yeah. a player. They could face some some serious sanctions uh, from UEFA, from FIFA, from whoever, from the league. Well, uh, I mean, look, that. if if UEFA are, are going to suspend uh, two transfer windows for Chelsea, I mean, what would this do? So it would do more. The, the standards been set, right? They, they, might, they might be in big, big trouble if they did this. They're going to be in huge trouble. Did. Well, it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, if one of the big Spanish giants gets their hands truly caught in the cookie jar and gets smacked down. All right, well, we'll continue the discussion with you tomorrow right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM FC. We're with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. We hope you'll make us a regular part of your week. Nick and Kartik. We'll be back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe. Have a great night. Don't drink too much, but hey, party on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.